Go ahead and turn with me in your Bibles to Titus, first chapter of Titus. Church body needs every part to function well and to function properly. Everyone, no matter what age, what gender, what abilities, is valuable and needed. We just recognize our church officers for the new years, trustees, treasurers, ushers, others. And, uh, and not just at church officers, but each and every person, others in the church, Sunday school teachers or musicians, Wednesday night workers, VBS workers, each person is needed, even if not in serving in any of those matters, each person is needed to be praying, to be growing in Christ Jesus, to be studying God's Word, God's Word, loving others and reaching out and witnessing to those around us. The New Testament tells us about two offices of spiritual leadership in the church. And the pastors and deacons, as Elijah read, and the deacons were dealt with extensively in 1 Timothy chapter 3, and also in Acts chapter 6. Here in Titus, he writes to Titus about pastors. Uh, first, second Timothy and Titus are called the pastoral epistles or the letters to pastors because they were Paul's letters to pastors, Timothy and Titus, and about pastors as we consider these passages today. Here in chapter 1, verse 5, it says, The reason I left you in Crete was that you might straighten out what was left unfinished and appoint elders in every town as I directed you. An elder must be blameless, the husband of but one wife, a man whose children believe and are not open to the charge of being wild and disobedient. Since an overseer is entrusted with God's work, he must be blameless, not overbearing, not quick-tempered, not given to drunkenness, not violent, not pursuing dishonest gain. Rather, he must be hospitable, one who loves what is good, who is self-controlled, upright, holy, and disciplined. He must hold firmly to the trustworthy message as it has been taught so that he can encourage others by sound doctrine and refute those who oppose it. Three words are used in the New Testament <coughs> to describe pastors. One is elders, and the Greek word is presbyteros, where we get the word presbyterian. There's presbyterian churches. Uh, ruled by elders. Elders is one of the words used for pastor. The other one is overseer. Uh, the Greek word is episkopos, where we get the episcopal church and uh, where we get the word bishop from. Uh, ruled by bishops in the church. Uh, another word for pastors is overseers or bishops. And the third one is shepherds or pastors. And that is the most common one in modern America that we use today. We don't use not, don't really use too much to call a pastor an elder or a bishop or whatever it might be. We use the word bishop for the most part. Our modern use nearly is all on the word pastor. In Titus, to talk, it's used the phrases overseer, bishop, and elder, pres, presbyter, uh, but it didn't use the word pastor. But they are used together interchangeably. In Acts chapter 20, uh, Paul was traveling and he called the elders of Ephesus to come meet with him. He called the elders, the presbyters, to come meet with him. And when he, they were with him, he said in verse 24 of chapter 20, 28 of chapter 20, 
Keep watch over yourselves and all the flock of which the Holy Spirit has made you overseers. They are elders, presbyters, overseers, bishops. And he goes on to say, be shepherds, pastors. Be shepherds of the church of God which he bought with his own blood. There in Acts chapter 20, all three are used to refer to the same people, not to different ranks and, and uh, statuses within the church. Peter himself in 1 Peter 5 uses all three terms together. In 1 Peter chapter 5, he starts out by saying, I, Peter, an elder, am writing to my fellow elders. He's not writing as the big elder to the little elders. He writes as one elder to his fellow elders, presbyters. And he goes on to say, be shepherds, pastors, be shepherds of the flock that is in your care, serving as overseers, bishops, not because you must, but because you are willing as you ought to be, as you ought to be, not greedy for money, but eager to serve, not lording it over the flock, but being examples to the flock that's entrusted to you. And when the chief shepherd appears, you will receive the crown of glory that never fades away. So Peter is a fellow, is an elder to his fellow elders, and the only chief pastor, chief shepherd he recognizes is Jesus Christ himself, the head of the church. And so that's what the, the Bible tells us about this. As we look in Titus, uh, even though it used the word elder and presbyter and overseer bishop, just I'm just going to refer to it as pastor because that's what we talk about in uh, modern America here today. Uh, in, in this passage, there are some things in this list that apply only to pastors and deacons, and there are many things in this list that should apply to every Christian, or at least to every mature Christian in their faith. But uh, there are some things specifically to pastors and deacons. Specific to pastors, he says, there would be the husband of one wife. He says there would be a man. And they're not to be divorced and remarried. God's creation of Adam and then Eve, from the very beginning, God intended for male leadership to be in this world, to be responsible, to be serving, to be a selfless love for others. God called Abraham, Isaac, and Jacob, even though Sarah and Rebekah and Leah are just as important and valued in God's sight. <coughs> when God came to earth, He was born of a virgin, but He came as a man, Jesus. <coughs> when Jesus picked 12 apostles, He picked 12 men. Even though Mary Magdalene and Martha and Mary, the sisters, were important and valued by Him. It's critical in marriage and family for men to step up and to lead, to lead spiritually, <clears throat> to be a step up and to be champions of selfless love for others. And in the church, it's important for men to step up and lead in the church. There's a malfunction in the modern church. Not just in accepting women pastors, but accepting divorced pastors, which I believe is even much worse. Now, some would object <clears throat> in our world today. Some would object, object and say it's wrong not to allow people who have such gifts and talent and ability and such great speakers. 
But the truth of the matter is what? The truth of the matter, Jesus said, God can raise their children to Abraham from these rocks. When he talked about believers in general. And the truth is, God can raise up the least talented person in the world to be a great pastor. Paul himself was a poor speaker. He said it several times. I'm not that good of a speaker. You know, that's what Paul said. The truth is that God does not need our talents and abilities. He gives them to us freely. He gives them to us freely. What God really needs is our obedience. Our obedience to Him. Like Isaiah, to say, here I am, send me, Lord. I'm ready to obey and do what you want me to do. When the kingdom split between Judah and Israel, that's the first thing Israel did was appoint priests of whoever they felt like appointing. Well, can anybody just be a priest? No, God from the beginning with the people of Israel said the priests are to be descendants of Aaron. And not just any descendant of Aaron, they've got to meet qualifications. Leadership is important. There's another objection that says, well, what about grace and forgiveness and redemption and renewal? This is the core meaning of the gospel. Yes, it is. So even a divorced person is forgiven and restored and a living example of the grace of God. Isn't that great? Yes, it is. That's true. A divorced person can live for Jesus and witness and love others and make a great difference in the lives of many people. Go for it. Live for Jesus. Nothing's stopping you. <clears throat> but when it comes to church leadership, <coughs> pastors and deacons, God desires our obedience to His standards. <clears throat> People who have had a long track record of being solid in their lives, in their homes. That's why the Scripture in 1 Timothy 3 said it's not to be a new convert. We need a track record here that this is someone who's walked with the Lord for a long time and able to show that. And too many churches, especially when you get into rural areas and small churches and and uh, aren't able to, maybe some aren't even able to afford full-time pastor. Too many churches are willing to endure pastors who are divorced and remarried. Too many are willing to endure most anybody as a pastor, whether they're adulterous or thieves or drunkards, drug problems, arrogant, whether they're angry bullies. Oh, well, we don't want him. I don't know we can get anybody else, so we'll take him. That's wrong. There are high expectations for those who would be pastors and deacons. It has the specific there that it would be the husband of one wife, a man, not divorced. Specific to pastors in verse 9 is uh, also true. To be firm in the faith, to be solid in doctrine, to be able to teach, to instruct, to correct, to oppose false teaching, to be solid in the Bible. And he uses the word hold firm, hold firm, someone who holds firm to the to the gospel. That word translated as hold firm is the same one found in the Sermon on the Mount when Jesus said no one can serve two masters. He would either hate one and love the other or be devoted to one and despise the other. Devoted is the same word. To hold firm to. I'm devoted to these things. Now all Christians should love the Word and read the Bible and study and know it by heart. 
But not all are gifted in teaching and explaining and presenting the truth. So this is something else specific to pastors. But then there's a big long list there that are good things for all Christians. Good things for all Christians. That their children are believers. That they're not wild, out of control, rebellious. To not be overbearing. The word overbearing means to be self-willed or arrogant. To not be quick-tempered. All good things for any Christian. Not be drunk, drug user. Good thing for any Christian. Avoid those stumbling blocks. He used the word not violent. The word for violent there is the one who strikes out or maybe like a bully. Uh, some would use their size, their strength to intimidate, to demand, to say, my way or the highway. No reason to put up with that from a pastor or a deacon. And that's something that uh, hopefully a mature Christian, whether they're a pastor or deacon or not, is not involved in that either. So it's not greedy, not a lover of money. That's, that's brought up again in First Timothy 3, 3 and verse 8 and in First Peter 5 that this is an important thing. That it's not someone who's greedy for money, a good thing for all Christians. Be someone who's content with what God has provided for you. It goes on to list other things. To be hospitable. To love what is good. The word hospitable, it comes from a Greek word that means the love of strangers. Somebody's a stranger coming through and it's like, hey, I, even though I've never met this person, I don't really know them that well, uh, there's still someone created the image of God. He, God loves them just like Jack prayed. God loves them just as much as He does me. And uh, so I have a love for stranger. And uh, and care for those, even though they're not of our special circles that we have. And then it says for a pastor, and something again that's good for any Christian, is to be self-controlled and disciplined. Self-controlled and disciplined. An important uh, aspect. And many, many will, people are willing to pursue that for the sake of sports. Man, I've got to put a lot of work in this. I've got to be self-controlled. I've got to be disciplined. I've got to work at this hard, hard, hard. But that's something as Christians we should apply. And say, as a believer, I need to be self-controlled and disciplined. Now, I'm disciplined in how I live my life. The church is important every Sunday. That uh, praying and uh, reading the Bible is important every day to tackle these things and to be self-controlled and disciplined in how we live. And upright and holy. So this is how it describes in the pastoral epistles, the letters to the pastors, Timothy and Titus. Timothy, mother a Jew, father a Gentile. Titus, pure Gentile. Uh, not required to be circumcised. But pastors nonetheless. And the qualifications that a pastor should have and deacons should have. In our modern age, the truth is, in the Western world, in the United States of America, we admire talent. We admire talent. We, we, we see people with great abilities, awesome skills, and say, well, that automatically makes them tops in the book, right? Because they've got all these abilities here. And many, when it comes to many churches, many look for a church leader With skill and pizzazz, self-confidence, bluster, talent. But God does not need our abilities. 
as much as he needs our faith in him, our trust in him, and our obedience to him. God desires people of character to live upright, holy lives. Many instead want to look for a church leader teaching, the, oh, maybe they'll teach the latest things on the end times or prophecy or to really have any appearance of spirituality and that God's speaking to them all the time. And uh, someone with a new phrase or the new twist on the Bible, the new interpretation, exciting stories to tell. It's not that difficult. God wants people who are obedient and faithful, period. God can, will work, you know, the, the talent man might build a great empire, but people of faith and obedience build God's church and the souls of people. The truth is that God desires leaders of character and of faith and obedience who are solid in the Bible. Just that simple. It goes on verse 10 to say, For there are many rebellious people, mere talkers and deceivers, especially those of the circumcision group. They must be silenced because they are ruining whole, whole households. How about complete households? That's too tough to say. Tongue twister there. Complete households by teaching things they ought not to teach. And that for the sake of dishonest gain. Even one of their own prophets has said, Cretans are always liars, evil brutes, lazy gluttons. This testimony is true. Therefore, rebuke them sharply so that they will be sound in the faith and will pay no attention to Jewish myths or to the commands of those who reject the truth. To the pure, all things are pure, but to those who are corrupted and do not believe, nothing is pure. In fact, both their minds and consciences are corrupted. Listen to this. They claim to know God, but by their actions they deny Him. They are detestable, disobedient, and unfit for doing anything good. Paul's talking about religious leaders. He's talking about religious leaders who seem to have, have something going for them, who seem to be able to influence a lot of people. He's saying they're not, they're not there. They claim to know God, but by their actions, they deny Him. Many of these things apply specifically to leadership, deacons, pastors. Many of these things apply to any Christian and their walk with God. And this applies just as much. Do you know God? Do you trust in the Lord Jesus Christ. Does your character match up? Does your, do your actions demonstrate that you know Jesus Christ? Jesus had to deal with, with some of the most accepted religious leaders of His time. The, the, the sect of the Pharisees. And He says, you Pharisees are, are those that uh, you clean the outside of the cup and the bowls. <coughs> But the inside still dirty. <coughs> you clean the outside, but the inside's messed up. You 
Muslims are like whitewashed tombs. They look nice on the outside. Pretty. But on the inside, they're full of dead men's bones. The outside didn't match the inside. And this is not just for pastors or deacons, but for every Christian. Does the outside match the inside? When my youngest son Ben was a baby, uh, I got feeding duties. I looked in the refrigerator. I found a Gerber baby jar. said, Hawaiian Delight. Wow. So I got out to Hawaiian Delight. had little Ben sitting in his high chair. And I opened the jar up. Got the little baby spoon, you know. Got the little baby spoon out. And uh, got the baby spoon out and scooped out a little bit of it and put it into his mouth and got in his mouth and his face crunched up something terrible. I said, "What? What's wrong? It's it's." pineapple and fruit stuff. You, you ought to be loving this. I got another spoonful out. Put it in his mouth and he and he ate it. His face just went crazy. Right. So I went and got the responsible one. I said, Chris, what's the deal on this? He's, he's making faces at this. And she says, oh, that's, that jar doesn't have a wine delight in it. That was a Spread I made up for hamburgers. It's got mayonnaise and mustard and chopped onions. Oh, man. The inside didn't match the outside. The inside didn't match the outside. They claim to know God, but by their actions they deny Him. It struck me the two words are used in that verse that are found in another place. Jesus taught in Matthew 10, in verse 32, he says, Whoever acknowledges me before others, I will acknowledge before my Father in heaven. Whoever disowns me before others, I will disown before my Father in heaven. And those are the same words. Acknowledge, claim, confess. Disown, de deny. And I, I always thought of Jesus' teaching there in terms of words. Whoever acknowledges me before others, I'll acknowledge before my Father in heaven. Whoever disowns me, I'll disown before my Father in heaven. And here in Paul's writing to Titus, he brings us not out of the realm of words into the realm of life, lifestyle, and actions. They claim to know God. They acknowledge God. They confess to know God. But by their actions, they disown Him. They dis deny Him. Deny Him. We're going to share together in the table and the bread and the cup. The Scripture calls us to examine ourselves as we come to the table. I would ask you to examine yourself today as we join together around the table. You have true faith? Paul writes and says, examine yourselves to see whether you are in Christ Jesus. Do you not realize that Christ Jesus is in you unless, of course, you fail the test? Examine yourself about true faith. Does the inside match the outside? 
Do other people wonder if somebody switched the label and slapped a phony tag on there from who you are? Claim to know God, but by their actions they deny Him. That's why it gives this long list for pastors. It's about character. Are you not overbearing? Are you quick-tempered? Or not quick-tempered? Given to drunkenness, drug use? Are you a striking, violent, bully type? Are you greedy for wealth? Or are you hospitable? Love strangers. Are you self-controlled? Are you disciplined in your life? Do you love what is good, upright, and holy? For your personal faith in the Lord Jesus, has it given you a true character that stands up under scrutiny? Would other people admit, even reluctantly, yes, the outside matches the inside. They call themselves a Christian, and they really are. The label hasn't been switched. They claim to know God and their actions prove it. May that be said of us at First Baptist Church of Nest City. Let's pray. Father in heaven, I thank you, Lord, again for your mercy and grace, your kindness to us. Help us to be those who truly live as we claim to know you. I pray in Jesus' name. Amen.